0: Jim, you were, I heard you muttering something about a sheet metal job. Are you doing
1: sheet metal now? I know you're, you're a well, CNC machine shop. Well, we are. We're, we're specialists in three and four axis CNC machining. However, when our customer sends a big package to us and they happen to just throw in a couple of sheet metal jobs, I use Zometry to quote the job and do it for me. It's really great. I don't have to say no to that line item because let me tell you, procurement wants to do business with people that are easy to work with. They want to deal with nice guys like Jim and Jason, too. Exactly. If I have a job in part of a package that has a sheet metal job, I can use Zometry as my partner to do that work for me. And, well, and have, they also do plastic injection molding and 3D printing. They do. They're experts at 3, 4, and 5-axis five five wow. CNC machining in, in close tolerance and finishing as well. It's great. Just go to Zometry.com. X-O-M. E-T-R-Y Check it out. Welcome to Making Ships. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jason J.Z. Zanger. How you doing? I'm good. I, you did a good job of reading that introduction, Thank but I, I still think a robot would do a better job than you. You think so? I do. I didn't yeah. even have my glasses on and I read yeah. it, but I brought up the text font really big so I could see it without <laughs> my readings on. Yeah, How ro- you doing? A robot would do a better job. How you yeah. doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. Yeah. We are here at Fusion OEM in Burridge, Illinois today. We're doing a remote recording with a really dynamic guest that's going to talk about Artificial intelligence and data collection and data collection and where automation of the machine shop is heading, right? Because I'm excited. That's really important to me as an owner of a machine shop. And I know it's important to you. And I know it's important to a lot of people that listen to the show. Yeah, but it's got
0: to make everybody a little bit nervous because it's high tech and it's I'm not not, nervous. I think you are. I think think you're just. Do I look nervous? You're trying to act like a tough guy. Okay. I I think think you're. I only say this because. The manufacturing leaders out there, they're really good at what they do, but now we're starting to incorporate so many technologies into the industry that are just like, wow, artificial intelligence and robotics and like all this. And
1: it's just different. Oh, it's definitely different. Well, it's changed. If we do not change, nothing's going to happen. Our culture that we live in and breathe in and work in is susceptible to change, and if we do not change and we do not advance, we're going to be I agree. a country and an industry that is not going forward. I agree. So it's imperative that we change, so we, we've we got to do it, and it's really important. Yeah, I mean, the,
0: every time we read about news as it relates to, like, robotics or artificial intelligence or whatever else in manufacturing, they always talk about, oh, China's going to have five times as many robots, but hey, listen, here at, in the United States, we should not be counted out. I mean, like, I think that we can compare compete here. And we just need to learn and we need to try and we need to figure it out and we can do it better.
1: I agree. I could not agree more. Anyway, it's good to be here at Fusion with our, our friend. Craig Zobaris is doing a show today on cobot technology, which is much like robotic technology. It's collaborative robots, which is going to be interesting. We're going to have him in the studio after this interview, but man, he's got a great turnout today, and it looks like it's going to be a, a really good day. The only thing is it's, we're, we're dead smack in the middle of summer, and it's like 100 degrees outside, but it's always great to be here with Craig, and he's a little nervous. Did you did you see him when we walked in? He's just busy. He's busy. Yeah. 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 You're oh. nervous. He's busy. Well, I don't know about that. But anyway, Jason, what is keeping you awake at night. A lot of times when you know that
0: you're making the right decisions for your company, mm-hmm. it's still any kind of change that you're making is mm. kind of keeps you up a little bit. You had
1: a bad week, didn't you? No, I didn't have a bad oh, week. Okay. I,
0: it, it's It's been a great week, actually. Okay. And when you make personnel changes and they're necessary and you have a, a direction for your company that you're going into... It's, it's exciting, but it's, it's it's a change. And some of those kind of like people changes are, are are tough, but they're good. And I'm excited and it's it's going to be the future is good. And
1: Did it, you have 36 hours of pain? No, I, you didn't? I had a
0: couple hours of pain. Okay. You know? So then that was the right decision it, for it, it, sure. Yeah, for
1: sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay, Yeah, there's
0: good. some decisions that are easier than others. Yes, I agree. Especially like when you're wronged, <laughs> and it's, then it's easy to make, you know then, what I yes, mean? Yes, then it is. So, I agree. And, and we could talk about this on a future show. You just have to have the right processes in place when you, when you make those kind of decisions. I agree. What about you? What's keeping you up at night?
1: Basically the same thing. You know, we're very busy at CAR and it's, it's all capacity issues right now. We're at near capacity and with capacity issues comes talent, infrastructure. Do we have enough floor space? Do we have enough machinery and equipment? Developing layers of leadership, because as you grow, you have to like, Put in layers of leadership in between this one and that one. To, that's a big change for you. That's a big change for me. I mean, it's it's going to be a struggle, but I'm I'm welcome to it, and I look forward to it. But it's definitely a challenge. So it, I, I it always, definitely keeps me awake at night. I,
0: I always had this joke with my dad because like back when Zenger's was only say like a dozen people, yep. we'd be in the tool store and he'd look to the left and look to the right and he'd see ninety percent of his employees. And now we have. 45, 50 people and it's not like that and it brings us challenges and you grow beyond where you're at now. You're going to have some of those same yep. challenges. I know. I know. I, I was actually thinking about you when I was in the gym recently because I just kind Why? Kinda, because
1: I work out harder and I'm in better shape than you? Well, oh, no. Okay. <laughs>
0: I saw a thing about retirement that was on the, t- on the TV, and it was just, as I was working out, you know, you're walking by, and you see the TV monitors and stuff. I listen to podcasts while I'm working out. But you do? I do. But it rated the top places to retire, and Nebraska <laughs> was, like, number one. And I was like, oh, Jim always talks about that shop owner in Nebraska, part of the metalworking nation. Funny. And maybe as your capacity go up, maybe Nebraska should be your not only your retirement location, but also where you
1: open up, yeah, you know, know, car machine I don't, south. I don't Honestly west
0: or whatever West, yeah,
1: <laughs> honestly, I've only you, been through Nebraska when we did a lot of camping and we were coming back from the West, but never really spent a lot of time there. So I don't know. and when when I make that, is is that a would you call that a metaphor when I say in a a shop in Nebraska? Or just when I make that relation I don't mean anything negative I just mean that's a very rural area to me it seems very rural and I always feel like I'm talking to that you guy. can call
0: it a metaphor if yeah. you want to I mean thank you. you know when you miss words it's cute so I know it, it is yeah. kind of cute it yeah. is kind of cute yeah. so
1: what's going on at the boring bar does the metalworking nation know what the boring bar is, is no, it a place you I want, where you to, I want is, you it, to is it a place where, where I can go you could go or the metalworking nation can go and get a shot and a beer or a bottle of wine it will be eventually okay but before well, what, then, is that right what is now? it right now? Well, I know what it is. It's our weekly newsletter. And there's a lot of good information there. There's a link to every single week's podcast there. There's curated news articles with... Our and how talent. do you get
0: access to the Boring
1: Bar? All you have to do is text CHIPS, C-H-I-P-S, to 38470, or you can go to makingchips.com and subscribe right there. The texting thing is really cool. We just started that about four weeks ago, and man, as soon as I did that, it was like, boom, I was signed up in no time. So yeah, all you got to do is text CHIPS, C-H-I-P-S, to 38470, and you are done. I'm going to do it right now. Anyway, Jason, what is our manufacturing news for this week? It's got to be relevant and timely. It is. So our
0: manufacturing news is from AmericanMachinist.com. I know. That, actually, I
1: know that publication. I actually don't. It's, you don't? It's kinda,
0: no, but I'm I'm happy to have been acquainted with them. Okay. And the title of the article is "How AI and IoT Will Provide Insights for Manufacturers." And can
1: we define what those two acronyms are?
0: Sure. So AI is artificial intelligence, and like in a nutshell, artificial intelligence would be Getting non human, I guess, machines, computers, stuff like that to make decisions and act like humans, mm-hmm. essentially. Okay. So, like an AI podcast host that I'm going to replace
1: you with okay. eventually. Good, so, good. Yeah. I'm going to well, have the
0: computer just listen make to all the past just episodes. Just make sure
1: that, my, that you send that electronic pension check right into my checking account. Got it. Every
0: week. I think that they can imitate your voice and I'll have it listen to past episodes and be just like you, except better.
1: Good. And IoT?
0: IoT. Is the industrial internet of things? They mention it here as IOT. I don't really hear it that much. Say it, as right. IOT, but yeah. most people say IOT, and then it's just which is the internet of things. Then they apply it to the manufacturing space. And once again, like you know, when I talk about being nervous, it's not actually nervous. But I think that manufacturing leaders out there really need to do some research and see how these types of technologies can impact their their business. But what we're talking about here is you're collecting data. And then essentially, you, with these IoT devices, and then you have your artificial intelligence, which instead of just displaying the data, it can actually help you to make decisions or make decisions for you. So I, I guess like a simple way of describing it, Jim, would be like you were able to use artificial intelligence to, to manage your supply chain. So when to buy materials and stuff like
1: that. What do you think the percentage of the metalworking nation out there right now is using some form of AI? Very little. Is it less than 10%? Yeah, I I would say so. I'm not saying
0: that people need to be nervous right now that they're not.
1: Right. I'm just saying,
0: just read about it. Start there. Read some articles. Find out about it. Educate yourself. Educate yourself. We're going to have a guest on today that's going to help us to understand um, this side of the the technology and just start to understand it and then just see where it can be applied to your business soon. But no, I I think very few manufacturing leaders are, are actually implementing artificial intelligence into their shops, but they need to at least start thinking about it.
1: There are a couple paragraphs that I want to highlight that says, Artificial intelligence provides the ability to automate tedious tasks And enables machines to learn, alert, improve, advise, and sometimes even make decisions. So you were spot on with your definition. Manufacturing organizations are continuously looking for ways to increase productivity and operational efficiency. Looking to the new growing technology, the industrial Internet of Things, manufacturers are realizing that artificial intelligence technologies are becoming a fundamental enabler of AI So I would say that the
0: the best way to think about this, like two great examples would be, do you remember in this, this was, oh my gosh, this must've been decades ago when IBM came up with their great like supercomputer and they were going to have the best chess player in the world battle against this IBM computer. So Mm -hmm. like that would probably be a basic version of artificial intelligence or like even more advanced version could be the way that some of these new cars, like the Tesla cars, how you can essentially, the car can drive itself without you having- to do it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. like autonomously Uh, driving. That's that's artificial intelligence being-
1: Now you talk about being scared. equipped into the car in
0: order to navigate through traffic. I gotcha. gotcha. Well, the Tesla doesn't scare me. It's the freight (laughs)
2: trucks that are going to be driving
0: autonomous eventually that that scare me the most. I agree. I agree. And the motorcycle. Why don't we move on? We have with us on the show today Akshat Thirani. Akshat is the CEO and co-founder of Amper Technologies. He's also the recipient of Crane's Chicago Business 20 in their 20s and the SME's 30 Under 30. From growing up in manufacturing with his dad, who owns an automotive manufacturing company in India, to his formal education with his bachelor's degree in computer science from Northwestern University, which is also my alma mater, to living in China and San Francisco. This man has traveled the world, and he has started a company, and he is just coming into the manufacturing industry in a storm and going to change things for the good there. Wow. Akshat Thirani from Amper Technology. Analogies. Welcome, Oxshot.
1: Congratulations on the credentials, man. You know, you're such a young guy, and already the Crane Chicago business, 20 in their 20s, and SMEs, 30 under 30. I mean, I got to ask, how did did they approach you? Did you apply or what? I know it's kind of off, but I'm really interested to hear how that all came about.
2: Yeah, so in both these cases with Cranes and in SME's Advanced Manufacturing magazine, I was lucky enough to have been reached out to. I had a couple of other media mentions, which I believe is how uh, they came across me, but yeah, very lucky and honored to have been on both those lists.
1: I bet, I bet, I bet it really helped elevate the PR in, in your business. Would you, would you think it would?
2: I would say it did. It yeah. also internally helped me sort of understand what our position might be with the company. So overall, it's been great. Got to meet a lot of new folks through that.
1: Cool. So, in addition to that, why don't you tell you can tell the metalworking nation better than we can tell your story and i when i when I talked to you last week on the phone, I really thought it was a really a great story. Why don't you tell everybody that's listening to the show your manufacturing journey from growing up as a young man in India?
2: Absolutely. so until college, I lived in India and I've grown up over there, and pretty much the town that I lived in was centered around manufacturing. The whole economy there was driven by manufacturing. And so all my friends in school, all the people that I knew were in some way or another related to production. And I've been lucky enough to grow up in a family with four generations of manufacturing, right from sandpaper to auto components to plastics and so on. And so it's really been in my blood. seen it growing up, worked summers over there, also, funnily enough, learned 5s when I was probably in. Oh, you fifth, learned 5s. Fifth grade for my bedroom on how do I clean it up? <laughs> no kidding.
0: It, yeah. Actually, it sounds it sounds like your dad and my dad were very similar in that way because I, I had to learn 5s. I didn't know I was learning that at the time from from my dad too. So I agree. Oh yeah,
2: like what's the attack time and making eggs? All kinds of fun things.
0: <laughs> so India is is a manufacturing economy. I mean, much like the United States, there's a lot of computer science going on there. But there's also a ton of manufacturing going on there. When did you have that aha moment where you're like, I've got a product that I can make and it's going to tie both of those worlds together?
2: Yeah. So coming into college, I started studying manufacturing and design engineering. And my goal long term was to run manufacturing operations and build products. And I actually really started liking computer science a lot, but as I was graduating, I saw that there's a massive difference in the kind of technology tools that typically software companies use and those that manufacturing companies use. And so uh-huh. are you are you saying disparity between they're more soft- progressive?
0: Is that what you would say? Or
2: not even as much as the people are more progressive, but all of us in this room get to use, you know, iPhones that have really advanced capabilities, whereas in a lot of shops, including my dad's, you see paper reports and a lot of manual ways of operating. And maybe not the most modern tools, a lot of Excel and so on. So that's kind of where I was like, okay, there's a big difference in the quality and how modern a lot of tools might be. So
1: that's when the, when the light bulb went off in your head. Like there's this big disparity. Manufacturing is just lagging behind everybody else in the technologies that we use. We're using these highly sophisticated iPhones minute by minute every day, right? Yeah. But yet manufacturers are still using Excel spreadsheets and and paper in their businesses.
2: Yeah, exactly. On the flip side, really complex operations running in manufacturing, especially in a high mix, low volume coordinating all these different tasks, using really advanced machines to produce components. And so it just felt kind of odd that for some reason, software technology in particular to manage operations day-to-day hasn't Advanced as much as a lot of the other things have.
0: Yeah, I mean, beyond the introduction of CNC, that period where CNC was introduced until about now, there wasn't like a gigantic jump. Like I think we're going to see in the future. Would you Would you agree, Jim?
1: I would, and that's the fourth industrial revolution. Well, quite I guess that's frankly, why they call it a revolution. Yeah, that's that's what they're saying. Is what what really is it going to be? I, don't, I It could be robotic, could, artificial robotic, intelligence, data, be, all that it, kind of. thing. It, I mean, it's it, happening. It, it, it's happening. You know? there, so, metalworking
0: nation, get on board. I mean. Like there is said, a, do your research.
2: Yeah, there is a shift that is definitely happening. There's no question about it. And here's the funny thing. I started looking into all right, how do I collect this information from these machines? And I've studied computer science. I know how to program, and yet it was really challenging. It's not a trivial thing to connect up a machine and start producing data. Especially when you have all these different machine types out there, some of them are old, some of them are new. Oh, you mean like CNC machines, like you might have a
1: 1998 Fidel vertical machining center versus a brand new 2019
2: Okuma or Mazak or whatever. Exactly, and the total effort that goes into the idea that I want to collect some information, just some basic things that my machine's running or not or whatever that might be, to actually getting that is a lot of work. And that was really frustrating. So I was like, what is the simplest way to collect information from a machine? And basically, through a lot of iterations, we arrived at every machine has a heartbeat of electricity. Almost every machine in the world uses electricity in some way or another. That is the aha moment, which was, all right, every machine has a pulse that we can tap into and capture the most important things that that really matter. When
0: you talk about a harpy, are you talking about like because machines run on alternating current? Is that what you're referring to?
2: Yeah, as every part is made, a tree is a signature. And maybe it's a cycle time of a minute or maybe it's an hour, whatever that might be. But every time parts are made, there's a draw in electricity. And that kind of tells that some action is happening.
1: So before we get into the product end of it, I, I want to know more about you grew up in India and then you moved to the States when you were how old, Akshat? I was
2: 17 okay. when I started college. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you're 17 when you started college, and you started college where?
2: At Northwestern University, which okay. is right outside Chicago. Gotcha. So you did your your four-year
1: degree there, and then you moved on to China or San Francisco, or am I mixing
2: those up? First in Shenzhen, China, for okay. about three months, Okay. and then San Francisco. And what did you do in both those locations? Right. Yeah, so my senior year, spring quarter, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to start this company. I'm going all in and had the chance to join a program a 3 month long accelerator essentially got to live in Shenzhen for a little bit see what it's like to create electronics like that's where a lot of the electronics in the world are produced and so it was really fascinating as you know we were developing a hardware and software product it was really interesting learning about how do you launch a hardware internet connected hardware product And Really neat program. It's backed by a U.S. venture capital firm. And there's like over 60 companies working out of that one space from all over the world. So I had a really exciting time. You were there by yourself? I was with my two co-founders. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, as as a part of being in this program, did you get venture capital that was invested into Amper in order to get started? So right out of the gate, as part of the program, they made an investment in us. So that was really exciting, and then once we did that, that it pro- validates you. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you're senior in college, and you get this investment; it's super exciting, and really no reason not to do it. And after the program, decided to join another sort of startup program in San Francisco, which was really beneficial for me personally because it was more focused around. Starting up a business, not just how do you create a product. Learned a lot around managing a company, getting sales started, operations, and so on. Now here in Chicago, we actually there there is
0: a, for lack of a better word, a a hub of making physical products. Have you ever gotten involved with
2: M Hub? Yeah. So after a year of travel between like living in Shenzhen and in San Francisco. We decided to grow our company. We really wanted to be in the Midwest, in Chicago. It's like the perfect blend of talent and manufacturing and technology and so on. So we decided to relocate, move back here. And we actually started working out of M-Hub. Which is, oh, you uh, did start working oh, you, out okay. of M-Hub? Yeah, so we were actually based over there for close to a year before going into our own space. So mHub is more of a co-working space right. with a lot of shared equipment. Yep, It helped us kind of get our initial prototypes and versions out of the door. But as we've been growing, we got our own space and it's been really exciting.
0: Is it on the shared drive? Is it on the Google Drive? Is it on the Dropbox? Is it on the E Drive, The C drive? Makes me nuts.
1: You have no idea. I'm telling you, Jason, before we converted to ProShop ERP, it was literally, we had things everywhere. It was in Word. It was in Google. It was on that drive. It was on the other drive. It was right now, since we converted to ProShop ERP, everything is in ProShop. It's our one source for all information. That takes the pain away. It certainly does. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Bam.
0: Now, what exactly does your product do? And why should a manufacturing company kind of have a light bulb moment and say, I need to implement something like this?
2: To give the context of what we're trying to solve, is around focus. Every company has limited resources. And to really identify and what is the most important thing to work on, you need to have data and facts to back up what is the 80 20 that yeah, drives Yeah, making results. your decisions. Yeah. And so that's really the ultimate goal, which is to empower people on the floor and in, in, in manufacturing companies to really make better decisions and be more focused. And in terms of what we actually, the way the product works is essentially uh, it's a real-time tool that tells what's happening on the shop floor. Going back to that heartbeat. Exactly. And so it tells you about how your machines are performing, about your efficiencies, what are the leading root causes to downtime, to job costing, and so on. So it's a, it's a tool that helps identify what's happening on the floor and reports this in a really modern, simple way.
1: So let's break that down a little bit. So when you first started installing this efficiency tool or automation, you were obviously doing it probably pro bono, just to see how it was going right at the beginning yeah. of the stage, because you had no data to back it up. You had no idea what it was gonna. What did you learn? What were you like? Oh my God, this is this is awesome. This is this is going to be big. Tell me how, how you evolved the product brand because you had this product in your head. You said, this is where I'm going to go with it. And then you started to develop it. And then you actually put it in a real-time shop and started using it.
2: What was the initial response that you learned from that? Yeah, there were several key moments in the lifetime of the business. So one of them was about the technology itself. PLC integration or connecting of the controllers of machines is really hard. And as you mentioned, we we had the chance to deploy this for free for a customer and saw that it actually worked. As well as you thought it was going to? Or better than? Better. In, In a way, it is really intriguing because we had a hypothesis that when parts are made on a machine, they produce electrical signals. And that makes sense because a spindle is working harder as it's making parts. And so that was the hypothesis behind this idea. So, a
1: Simple hypothesis, right? So, Jim,
2: are you familiar with the whole notion of a hypothesis? I,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. I mean, I'm not I, trying to be I'm, condescending. I'm I, just asking. I, I, no, that's fine.
0: It's, it's fine. like you have a thought, and you're like, I think that this, this is what will happen, and then you Got say, it, okay, Jason. I, let's test it. You
1: know, I can Google that in two seconds. But yes, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Zanger, for helping me out there. But I'm really... A, Intrigued by what Oxshot has developed, so tell me when you when you put this on right. that machine tool. I just want to know—is like you're a week, a month, two months, three months in, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" You go to your you go to your partners. You're like, "I had no idea we were going to be getting this kind of result. This data. You must have been like every night. You're like laying in bed thinking, "This is going to be huge."
2: Yeah. First of all. The reason we were able to do this was because several really forward-thinking manufacturers that allowed us to kind of work with them in the early stages. But yeah, it was like, you know, you look at raw data and you could suddenly see all these patterns that really made it look very clear that parts are being made, that, you know, that cycles are happening on a machine and, and really neat things that you could see just by analyzing that data. And that was a moment where we were like, okay, we have the ability to actually launch this product. On the flip side, as we were talking to these folks and walking around the shop floors, we kept seeing people write down my machine was down from like eight oh three to eight fifty on a piece of paper on a piece of paper and key that into Excel and then key that into their ERP system. And man, I I would say like I bet I bet it just drove you nuts. I bet you probably went through the ceiling. Yeah, I was like, this is insane. You have some really skilled people that are wasting a lot of their precious time and then what was worse off was I would see these stacks of paper lying around and to me that was like no one's really looking at it and so those are like two things that I noticed that were like that made me believe Mm. that there's value behind this in saving time and adding time back to everyone's day and secondly showing what you can do with that sort of information and it was all happening on the shop floor like that's where the company was being born in a way And what year was that? That was mid-2017. Mid-2017. So going back to what the
0: product does, so you're essentially capturing the heartbeat of the machine So, for somebody say in that's the ceo of a manufacturing company what information are they going to get when their shop floor connects this device to their machines like what what you know simplified data he doesn't want to spend a lot of time like seeing all the heartbeats he just wants to know boom (laughs) these are the three things that i need to pay attention to i want to know as a machine
1: shop owner are the spindles running are we keeping the spindles running, and am I making money? They, yep. Really, because that's all that the leader, the CEO, the, the owner of the company wants to know, and they want just want real-time, simple
2: data. Exactly. No, I, I think you got it exactly right, which is fundamentally it starts telling you what machines are running, what is your utilization like, what is your downtime really like, and so you can start identifying which machines are running the most, running the least, and more importantly, for ones that aren't running a lot, you can understand what are the reasons your machines were down. So was it because of setup? Was it because you didn't the have an operator? No operator available? Or you didn't have a job scheduled for it? Whatever that might be. And so, But it's only
1: tracking if it's under power, is that right? Correct.
2: Yeah. So we, we did a, and we've mentioned this a couple times on Making Chips,
0: about a six hour roundtable on Industry 4.0 at the Sandvik headquarters in New Jersey a year did. or so ago. Yeah. Nice. One of the statements that was made was. If you are not implementing some kind of like data collection and utilization into in the, your next, shop, five in the years, next five years, you're going to go out of business. You're going to go bye bye.
1: And it's kind of like I that old offended. yeah. It was alarming. kind of like that, I was really offended by that.
0: Yeah, it was kind. It's kind of like that old sentiment of if you don't get a CNC machine and replace that. This is what I thought of and replace that Bridgeport or or that lathe. You're going to go out of business too. And to a certain extent, that has come true. It probably takes a little bit longer than five years, but I, I would say that those factors that you brought up are probably the simplest things to collect. And they made the statement, and I, I asked the question, well, is this really complex? Do I need to collect 20 pieces of data or can I just collect one? And, and everybody on on the panel was like, just collect one or two pieces of data. Don't make it com- complex. And the, and the pieces of data they talked about, the uptime and, and everything like the utilization, I mean, those are the pieces of data
2: that said collect that first and start exactly. analyzing it. You know, manufacturing at its core is all about simplicity and practicality. And the moment I start hearing a lot of terms like IoT, industrial 4.0, personally, I don't really understand what that means. And that makes (laughs) me, as someone in this industry, really skeptical of what I'm being sold or told I should do. And so until I can fully understand the facts, I'm pretty skeptical. That's why, in fact, if you go to our website you won't see the word IoT, Industry 4.0 mentioned anywhere because I don't understand what it means. And so- Yeah, you don't want to oh, throw I buzzwords. That. I love that. I love that. You're being authentic. And you, you know what you're doing?
1: You're connecting- to that shop floor manufacturer because a lot of shop floor manufacturers like myself really don't understand what all these acronyms are I thought you liked like buzzwords Well I like buzzwords but I don't like acronyms because it confuses me and I don't really un- I don't really know what it means and I got to look it up and it's just a lot of stuff So
0: Coming out soon, the Making ships Guide to Acronyms. Yes.
1: <laughs> You're on that, right? That's one of your rocks for the next quarter, right? So I, what I like that you've done, Akshat, is you've created a product that's going to be really simple for the CEO, the top-level guy, that's going to be taking this data that is extracting from the machines, and it's going to be put into an easy format for them to digest and make changes.
2: Yeah. I mean, literally, in just a quick spiel... You clip the sensor around the power cable. From that, it starts reading the electrical signals, and it's transmitted over the cell network. So it's no crazy IT integration and ERP integration. You don't even need to hook it up to Wi-Fi. No, it's, you just clip it on, starts transmitting. Now, yeah. via, via what, Bluetooth or cellular data? Oh,
1: cellular data. Yeah. Oh,
2: interesting. And on your phone, you start getting real-time data. Telling you about your, your utilization, your downtime codes. It tells you when your machines need maintenance based on actual runtimes, not just every year. And that's probably more of that artificial intelligence that's telling you those things, right? No, right. I mean, I don't think so. It's it's more so on like true hours, right? Based on so, actual, oh, so you're, the you're programming been for the hours into it. Okay. The technology leap is that. The system just works across any kind of machine type. The kind of parts you make in your shop, Jim, look very different from any other shop, right? Because there are a million types of components in the world. So there are infinite electrical signals being produced. The leap in technology that we've developed is that we can look across any kind of machine. And it kind of learns the patterns as it goes along and produces that real-time data. That's kind of where the innovation is in the product. So when you hook this up to
1: a Haas or a Fidel, or a Mazik or an Okuma, is there a learning period? Is it like a one week, two months, yeah, one year? Yeah, it's usually like uh, what is it? within a week. Within a week, this adapter, this this ancillary tool that we're collecting data from, is learned how the machine is running.
2: Exactly. Okay.
1: It's watching, and it collecting, and analyzing, and within a one week, you can kind of discern mm-hmm. what how the machine is operating. exactly? Okay, very interesting. How do, how do, you,
0: how do you take the, the amps and, and, and collecting this simple information into so many other pieces of information for the machine?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because it's a lot of signal processing. And on a very simple level, it's like a heartbeat every time a part is made. Great dissimile, yeah. Just imagine a cycle on a Swiss machine. It's made a part, and it creates an electrical signal that just keeps repeating every single time that same part is made. And so the using- spindle
1: turns on, it goes to 20,000 RPM, there's going to be a lot of ample- Oh, and that,
2: that has a different kind of code as
0: to something else. Exactly. Okay, and, and when you engage into a cut, that probably has a different code as well. Exactly,
2: yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how it's working, but at the end of the day, that's just a means to an end. What you actually end up getting at its most fundamental level is Pareto charts that tells you which machines have the most downtime and why so that you can start targeting the top areas that lead to downtime and kind of what you you mentioned earlier on capacity you know what's really going to unlock more capacity for you right now you can focus on what those reasons are and not on things that may seem like symptoms but aren't really the major contributors to downtime this is kind of exciting for me which is to empower people on the floor to make decisions. So for example, you can have your operators know what's happening so that you don't need to micromanage anyone, and they can make their own decisions. Let's say they run an unattended run. They can have an alert that if it's down for five minutes, I want to get a text message, and it's immediately fired out to them. So they can make their own decisions rather than you having to walk around or have someone else do that.
1: So Akshat, how granular does does the data get? I mean, in regards to amps, I'm not an, an electrician, but how do the algorithms know that if the machine tool amps increase one one hundredth, that something has changed. How do you identify and isolate that metric? It comes down to
2: like tough question, if, right? stepping on the more technical end of like how do how does it interpret these signals, right? And there's like a lot of science that goes behind it, like a lot no, of algorithms, banished, and, yeah. And so essentially, we've collected hundreds and hundreds of machines data and build these models based on that massive data set, and done training on that. And so I'm not the expert in how to like develop these algorithms, but essentially it's, it's by looking at a lot of signals and developing these models. Akshat, what does your future look like and what is the vision for Amper? Our goal is to essentially build really simple and practical tools for manufacturers. And when I walk into a shop floor, there's just like a million problems that can be solved. And so our goal is to stay true to our pieces, which is make it simple and really practical in the way that people use products by making a consumer product-like tool for manufacturers. And so there's so many problems around quality control, around training people up, around tool chain tools. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a pretty extensive product roadmap when it comes to tools for manufacturers. We call it a factory operating system or factory OS. That's kind of our roadmap and I'm really excited to have we have a really interesting team right across from hardware software manufacturing expertise so and you're in west town in chicago very near to M-Hub, right correct yeah
0: so we've talked a lot about what other people have said about what the manufacturing leaders out there need to do in the future what what advice would you get to give to the metalworking nation out there about what they should be thinking about as it relates to iot and data collection and data utilization
2: my advice would be to first understand what the goal is which is to ship good parts on time at the coded cost and to look at technology tools that really help achieve that and help people on the floor. As I mentioned, I'm somewhat skeptical of a lot of terms like IoT, Industry 4.0 being thrown around. So I would really drill into like, to get that goal, what kind of metrics do you need for your team and to focus on that. The second would be often the cost of taking on these projects is a lot more like IT resources, PLC upgrades, integration, and so kind of factoring in the lifetime cost of such a product. And finally, talking to the people on the floor, because ultimately, those are the folks that are going to use it the most. Mm -hmm. So really understanding what is it that will unlock their time or their potential as a leading indicator. Well, Akshat, what a pleasure to meet you today! Thank you so much for showing up at
1: the Fusion event. I know you're partnering with Craig on this in, in some capacity. It's been an absolute pleasure to learn how you developed the product, and you're, you've had such great success at such a young age. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of you, and I wish you the best of luck. I genuinely do.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Akshat. And, and if the metalworking nation out there can hear maybe the machines buzzing or the applause going on, we're going to, as soon as we're done here, Akshat, we're going to go watch your presentation, which is going to be on Make Your Machines Ruthlessly Efficient. So you're going to make that presentation. Jim and I are going to go watch you, and we're going to learn even more than what we just learned now.
1: You bet. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so
0: much. Thank you so much. So Jim, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready to put it in? You know
1: what? In? I want to be just like Akshat when I grow up. I really do. He's a smart guy. I think you're already grown. Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. but you know, I just I love millennials in this industry. I think they're bringing a a bright light into our industry, yeah, a different um, perspective and a different, different perspective. way of doing things, just, you know. Bringing
0: the iPhone to the CNC machine.
1: Yeah. If the Metalworking Nation would like to reach out to Akshat, I'm sure he wouldn't mind linking up or connecting on LinkedIn. You spell his name A K S H A T. Last name is spelled T H I R A N. I, and you can go to his website. It's Amper.xyz. Yeah, cool it's website. It's not a .com. It's Amper. Amper.xyz. XYZ. And that's easy to remember. And if you like this episode, please help to equip and inspire other manufacturing leaders by leveraging a kind review on Apple, iTunes, about this show. Leave your positive ratings. It really helps us. It makes Jason smile. It makes me even smile, even wider. It's always a pleasure to equip and inspire you. If you have any questions about the show, give us a, a shout at infomakingchips.com. At and don't forget to subscribe to our weekly boring bar newsletter. Text chips to 38470. And Jason, at the if, end of the day, if you're not collecting data, you're not making money. Bam. Bam.
2: Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips.
1: it's impeccable that we do change that we no change. it's imperative it's imperative that we do change oh uh, so, you're just really I know the bloopers, I should have done that you? shot start one more time yeah <laughs>